This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. We're doing a Cosmic Queries edition today, and it's going to be all about dinosaurs. I think this is the first time we've ever made that the topic of a Star Talk episode. And I got with me as co-host, Marsha Belsky. Marsha, welcome back to Star Talk. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. Excellent. Excellent. So, I, you know, I don't know if you, like everybody else, like loved dinosaurs as a kid. Um, but however much you loved them and however much I loved them, we don't have the expertise necessary for the show. <laughs> so no. we, we had to find someone who does and came across a postdoctoral research fellow at my own home institution, the American Museum of Natural History. Famous for its dinosaurs. I'd also like to think it's famous for its Hayden Planetarium. But the two together are jewels in the crown uh, that this institution wears. Please help me welcome Kimberly Chappelle. Kimberly, welcome to Start Talk. Hi. Hi, Neil. Hi, Marsha. I'm very excited to be here today. It's so cool. Now, you first introduced yourself to me as Kimmy. So the, we're going to go with Kimmy. Yes, please, here. please, that- Kimmy. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's go ahead and do that. So, uh, dinosaurologists—that's not what we call you guys. We, we call you paleontologists, well, right? That's correct. And and what do you focus on? So, I mainly focus on uh, the plant-eating group of dinosaurs uh, called sauropodomorph dinosaurs, and that more well, people are more familiar with the very very large guys like the Plodocus and Brachiosaurus and things like that. So, it's that main group of dinosaurs. With the Brachiosaurus—that's the—that's. This. I'm Googling all of this. Yeah, I'm no, like, Plodocus, exactly. <laughs> Brachiosaurus. And don't forget the, the Theosaurus. That's a new one that just entered there. Is the Plodocus like the platypus? <laughs> kind, kind of different. Yes. <laughs> different body scales. No. 
Okay, which one? I just want to just set this straight. Which one? Because we we all this is almost like a Pluto story. We all lost the Brontosaurus at some point, and that became what? What became the closest thing to the well, Brontosaurus? Well, Brontosaurus like comes in and out, right? I mean, this is the thing in Pedo is we can <laughs> then things get confirmed and then they get removed and then they get confirmed and um, it's sort of how it works. Okay, but 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 Bront- the Brontosaurus was plantating, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. I just always think of that movie, The Land Before Time, when I think of the Brontosaurus, because uh, they really, they really, with the dinosaur plot lines when you're a kid, they really let you have it. It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> but Marcia, there have been more modern representations of dinosaurs since Land Before Times. You're talking about the animated series. Yes. Yes, okay. That was like the most successful animated dinosaur series ever at the time. Really? Yes, yes. Okay, Land with the facts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I there, believe that. There's drastic, there's, there are other representations of dinosaurs that are not cartoons. Uh, so, I've you know <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. So I've heard. Just a little. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, everyone has dinosaur questions. We'll lead off, I'll ask a question maybe, and then if Marcia has one, and then we'll go to our, our fan base, um, who all are... Patreon members, because right now they have the exclusive access to the question and answer mantle that is Cosmic Queries. So, so let me ask you something, Kimmy. All right. So, how did dinosaurs get so big? <laughs> like, did you have smaller fox spittles? Like, they didn't just evolve overnight to be big. Didn't, where's the dinosaur that's half the size of the biggest one and then half that size? Than half that size. Like, how are they just all so big? <laughs> all right, Neil, so I'm going to take the next hour basically trying to answer this question. <laughs> I mean, that is one of the main things, especially in the plant eating dinosaur group, right? So, the sauropodomal dinosaurs, they start off as very, very small things, for example, like Berylestes, which is tiny. It's, it's about 15 kilograms, which is about 30 pounds, walks on two legs. And then, as we get to the, the more derived guys, things like you know, Brontosaurus or uh, Apatosaurus and things like that. They're multi-ton animals. So there's this giant transition that happens in body size. And one of the main questions is not only how does that happen, but also what are all of the physiological and anatomical changes that go hand in hand with that? Because you can't just grow and become giant. There's lots of things that you need to do to your body plan in order to be able to do that. For example, you need fat, stubby legs to hold up all that body weight. That is one. (laughs) Yes, you need (laughs) Um, but you also, I mean, one of the main You're things- lucky they're dead, Neil. You're lucky they're dead. <laughs> no, was I, did I fat shame them? Is that fat why? Is that what you're yeah, fat, so watch your tone with that. Watch your tone. <laughs> they're big bones, Neil. Yes. Bone, that, big and bone. they totally big, were big beautiful bones. stubby legs. Um, but one of the, the main transition that happens, you know, also in that is the going from being bipedal or walking on two legs to being quadrupedal or walking on four legs. And that's definitely something that allows, you know, this great gain in body mass um, because being giant and multi-ton and walking on two legs is just probably not feasible and not something that could work. You need to be able to load all four of your limbs to be able to do that. I've never thought about that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, like, yeah but that doesn't, like, that doesn't explain the millipede. That doesn't explain the millipede. What kind of weight is it holding up? <laughs> so, I don't trust those things. That should be no, really I, could, I hate them. Millipedes should be a bazillion tons then. It should just be like... <laughs> yeah, I can't... Well, yeah. it could, could do that. Right? And, and millipedes is like, why do you have so many legs? <laughs> You're creepy. No, oh my gosh, no. imagine a giant millipede. Absolutely not. Yeah, multiple. Absolutely <laughs> not. Thank God for small favors. Wow. And please, please unpack your specialty dinosaur category. 
sauropodomorph. That is correct. So, so sauropodomorphs, so for example, the two main groups of dinosaurs are Sauriscian and Ornithischians. Um, so Ornithischians will be your group that includes your uh, Triceratops and Ankylosaurs and things like that. Um, they are... We love the Triceratops. Right? Love Everyone loves it. We love Triceratops. Ornithischian means... She's a favorite. ...bird-hipped dinosaur. Um, whereas mm-hmm. Sauriscian, which includes your meat-eating dinosaurs like T-Rex and your sauropodomorph dinosaurs like Diplodocus, um, Sauriscian means uh, lizard-hipped dinosaurs. So sauropod, sauro comes from lizard. Interesting. Okay, so you all care about the hip, where the hip bone connects to the leg bone. So the hip is huge. So so this is... (laughs) (laughs) The hip is a big part of dinosaur study. It's got big hips. That's That's big ass. You got big ass dinosaurs. This this is what's coming coming out of this exercise. It's also one of the most confusing things because so the main difference between lizard hips and bird hips, right? Or if you look at a bird today, is the orientation of the pubis bone, whether it points forward or backwards. Or backwards. Um, but ornith- uh, we all know that, well, maybe we don't all know, but birds are related to dinosaurs. They are the direct descendants of dinosaurs. Birds fall within the lizard-hipped group, <laughs> which is really confusing. Okay. Not the bird-hipped group, the lizard-hipped group. Because Okay, it's a, Kimmy, it's a little weird to me that of wow. all the features of a dinosaur... You're focusing on the hip and categorizing them based on it. That feels a little weird. That's where it's different. They said either it goes forward or back. Okay, let's say, how big is your big toe? And let me categorize (laughs) that way. But if the big toe were facing the other way in half the animals, (laughs) that's a different thing. That's a different one. Marcia... Stupid. <laughs> and I don't even know, I don't even know science good like that. So, <laughs> so Marsh, you have a question before we go to our our uh, cosmic queries. Fan I base. mean, I like to ask the existential questions. I like to get to the root of. I think I speak for the people, and I feel like when I think about dinosaurs, my whole thing is, okay, if this like big bang killed them, who's to say that's not going to happen to us? Basically, can you reassure me? that a meteor is not going to crash into us? Or have you guys learned more about what the mass extinction event actually was based on? Because I think there's a lot of confusion around that and fear. I'll lead off and then hand to Kimmy. Uh, yeah, an asteroid took out all her dinosaurs. <laughs> one, of my, one of my rocks in space. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that was on you. Yeah, it's your fault, Neil. Another one could take us out. And uh, one that like took that. out the dinosaurs pried open an ecological niche for our mammal ancestors to evolve into something more ambitious than a tree rodent. So, so I, I mean, I'm grateful for that, but... Kill our asteroids can be our friends or our enemies. Now, Kim, what do you have to say about asteroids or, or kill or anything? Extinction <laughs> and dinosaurs. Right. I mean, I think with, with the, the sort of imputatious extinction um, and a lot of extinction events, there's this sort of misconception that these things happen instantaneously and that all the dinosaurs disappear. Um, that is not the case. So obviously, with, that's what happened in the land before, right? Time, so. <laughs> so I mean, and this is this is a thing with like all paleo art reconstructions where you have a bunch of dinosaurs. There's always like fire in the background and like volcanoes. Right, there is it, volcanoes. And volcanoes yeah. and, like a comet. There's one like, of the baby dinosaurs yelling like "mom." Yes, exactly. Mom. It's horrible. <laughs> crying in the distance. Um, but obviously, okay, within a direct radius of of. Uh, around the, the, the asteroid that, that impacts the Earth. Obviously, everything is, is going to die much more quickly. But extinction events take a very, very long time. Um, you know, 
So, for example, the one that killed the dinosaurs, which did not kill all the dinosaurs because the birds made it through. So birds are are, are survivors. My group of dinosaurs got wiped out completely. Um, <laughs> probably actually one of the reasons is that they were so big. Um, being that big in size and losing a lot of your resources on Earth is, is just don't go hand in hand, though. It gets susceptible. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Marsha, I remember a scene in Land Before Time where Chomper, do you remember who Chomper was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the baby T-Rex, yeah. where it, it, it stumbled on the other playing dinosaurs. I think there was the, you know, the Triceratops baby and there was the Brontosaurus baby. And they're playing and, the, and Chomper doesn't realize yet that it's supposed to eat them. <laughs> right? Because they're just babies. It's like the kitten and the puppy playing. Wow. So they reach an age and say, wait a minute. This is a violation. And that's a metaphor. And that's a oh. metaphor. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't remember that part. Yeah, no, wow. it was I thought it was a charming sort of reality check on uh-huh what's going on. Anyhow, that's a cartoon. Uh let, let's go straight <laughs> to our our questions. Let's do it. Okay, great. Okay, let me ask the questions. Let me pull these up. I so, haven't seen these and I don't think Kimmy has seen them either, right? So you're the only no, one. No, we're going Marcia. in blind. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have all the control. I could just be making these up for all you know. <laughs> okay, I feel like this is a good follow-up um, on what we were just talking about. Hello, everyone. Hello, Chris from California. He said, why did some animals, parentheses, for example, many birds and alligators, survive the meteor that killed most of the life on the planet? Ooh. And I think some frogs survive too. And you think that, yes, a big animal needs a lot of resources and things, but a small animal might be more susceptible just because it's small. Perhaps. Uh, I don't know for sure. So we're going to leave that as a cliffhanger, see what I did there. And we're going to take a break from Cosmic Queries. And when we come back, more with our expert paleontologist, Kimmy Chappelle, and our co-host, Marsha Belson. And start talk this podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business absolutely positively fedex whether you're a family vacation traveler business tripper or long weekend adventurer choice hotels has a stay for any you and that's good because there are a lot of me's choice hotels has over 7400 locations and 22 brands including comfort hotels radisson hotels and cambria hotels get the best value for your money when you book with choice hotels cambria hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. 
And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops Driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk, code startalk. I'm Joel Cherico, and I make pottery. You can see my pottery on my website, CosmicMugs.com. Cosmic Mugs, art that lets you taste the universe every day. And I support Star Talk on Patreon. This is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back. Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, the Dinosaur Edition. And I love me some dinosaurs. At least I like rendering them extinct with asteroids. <laughs> but but <laughs> that's all I ever do when I think about them. But let the have... record show. <laughs> pro <we've> got... asteroid. <laughs> are you pro or are you anti asteroid? Something to hinge election results on, right? <laughs> so we've got Kimmy Chappelle, who's a postdoc at the American Museum of Natural History, and uh, but and Kimmy, you're 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 leaving us. I'm told. So, but you're you're from where to begin with? So I'm I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa, um, originally, and I had the great pleasure of doing a postdoctoral fellowship at the M and H, where I met all of you lovely people, and I'm currently transitioning back to South Africa uh, to continue with a okay. postdoctoral fellowship there. Exactly with uh, um, which which university? I'm at the University of the Witwatersrand, or just Wits University for short. Wits. <laughs> That's I'm glad it has a shortened version of that. <laughs> uh, and so, if the South Africa as a country, does it have a lot of good fossils? Oh, man. Again, I could fill mm. a whole episode just to talk about the South African fossil record. We have a great fossil record. Um, so, 66% okay. of South Africa's land uh, yields fossils um, of various wow. types. They go from mammal ancestors to very early dinosaurs to we have great hominids, um, just all sorts of very, very cool things. Okay. And the hominids many... in South Africa. <laughs> the hominids. <laughs> They have a thesaurus and hominids. This is a whole yeah, literary right. place. Yeah. <laughs> so, Marcia, you left off with a question. Someone asking, uh, it was Chris from California, I think. He wants to know, you have these, these, these creatures that live so long and so, so hardy. 
And an asteroid takes them out. Okay, I get that. But now we have other, why did the birds survive? Or their bird ancestors and some alligators and other lizards. Like, what protection did they have that other animals did not? So I think, I mean, again, especially with the Cretaceous events, it is one that, that fascinates uh, everyone, including scientists. And just very recently, there's, there was a big splash in the media about the, the days the dinosaur died was in spring. Um, so we're still every day or in the spring. In the spring. So we're still, there's a lot of research ongoing as to one, like, you know, what happens directly after the, the asteroid hits, but also what happens, as we said, the long term after that. Um, why do some animals survive? Why, why do some don't? Um, and there's a lot of factors to consider. One is where in the world those animals are compared to where the asteroid hit. Um, which areas have the most diversity? Groups that have a lot of genetic diversity um, might do better, for example. Um, and they, that whole group of animals, or that whole clade, not all of them will survive, but they'll have enough representatives that will survive that will keep the group going. Um, for example, wait, wait, that's the whole that's the whole value of genetic diversity. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Right, because you have variations that, and you don't know in advance whether the variation is good or bad for what the change, the assault on your environment is. And so now you get an asteroid. So, so some versions of a group have asteroid resistant genes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just coded in there. Fair? Yeah, exactly. They knew, they foresaw it. They knew it was coming. <laughs> that makes so much sense in terms of alligators. I feel like alligators <laughs> would survive a nuclear bomb. Like, they just seem so sturdy. Because like the- they, they know they're badass. I think that's the thing. <laughs> they carry themselves that way, yeah. They do. Even though on land, they're not nimble like they are in the they're water. Nothing. They still walk in like, get out of my way. Absolutely, yeah. No. yeah. They have that confidence of surviving a an extinction event. It could be because their elbows are out when they walk, and anybody who walks mm-hmm. down the street with their elbows, they look sticking buff. out. Yeah, yeah, they're they're just like don't mess with them. So you like our <laughs> our paleontology theory? <laughs> so I mean, I've done field work in Zimbabwe on Lake Kariba, where you're surrounded by crocodiles and hippos, and between the two, I think um, on land I would probably would rather run into a crocodile than a hippo. I think. Oh, yeah. That would be why. I don't ever want to see a hippo. Are hippos dinosaurs? No. <laughs> they seem like dinosaurs. This is what I don't get. Like, I look at a blue whale, I'm like, how is that not a dinosaur? How is a hippo not a dinosaur? That's crazy okay, Marcia, to me. you can't just wish animals to be dinosaurs. There's a science I know I can. behind this. Just, I'm just want to tell That's you. why I'm on the show to educate myself, because <laughs> otherwise I'd just say a hippo's a dinosaur. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Anything that looks mean is a dinosaur, but anything that looks like... Mm-hmm. Any big, mean animal, I think, oh, is there a dinosaur. You go. That's right. A big and mean, especially, what's that lizard thing down somewhere? The, the, the um, Komodo, Komodo dragon. dragon. Komodo dragon. Yeah. Totally. Exactly what you're talking about. In fact, I'm old enough to remember this. Every dinosaur movie in the 50s and 60s had a dressed up kimono dragon. (laughs) (laughs) That was the, that was, because we didn't know how to do stop action really yet. And so you got the most dinosaur looking thing. But Marcia, they did not choose a hippo. (laughs) I don't get that. I think they should have. If I were the casting agent, I would have gone a different way. Would you you teach it to walk on two legs too? I know, you'd have to something. I mean, I think hippos, even if you raise them from babies, it's like, don't mess with them. They are are dangerous. This is the hippo podcast. But I did play Hungry Hungry Hippos. I just want you to know. (laughs) 
And those look like dinosaurs too. Hungry, hungry hippos, <laughs> don't they? Wait, so so Kimberly, could it, does being underwater offer protection? Because underwater is kind of a stable place. And that's where you might find dinosaurs or some eggs that were laid that, I mean, something just has to get through that portal. Right. Right, and come out on the other side. So there aren't many marine dinosaurs. Um, again, there's a lot of recent research that came out on Spinosaurus from, from Morocco being one of the, the, I mean, not most marine, that's a really bad way of describing it, but really good, really successful at hunting in water or at foraging underwater. So, But there aren't uh, strictly marine dinosaurs. There are things like uh, ichthyosaurs and plesiosaurs, you know, the things with the log neck that kind of look like the Loch Ness monsters floating around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those are marine reptiles, so they're not actually part of part of the dinosaur. <laughs> I love lady. it that you're referencing real animals to a fictional world. I, I, you know, <laughs> they look you, like the fictional. They do, though, and that's something that everyone recognizes. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. That's kind of funny that everybody could recognize, yeah, a fictional thing, but then like real dinosaurs were like, no, we've never been educated about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know about what the Loch Ness monster. Exactly, yeah, it's just a funny fact, you know. That, that's I'm just commenting on the social health culture. Of that. It helps. So, so just to, before we go into the next question, you're saying that it depends on what the diversity of that genus was. Perhaps you didn't use that word, but the clade, I think, as a whole, the, um, a clade, it's just a whole clade, and so. You expect that many would have died and others emerged on the other side. So right. so what's interesting to me that if birds survived or the bird ancestor, how many bird ancestors didn't? Probably a lot. If, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All the ones who are on the ground when the meteor hit. Who were vaporized. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Where did the meteor hit? I don't think I know that. At the do, Yucatan do Peninsula know? of what is now Mexico. There we go. Oh. They found a crate of oil drillers uh, prospecting for where they might find the next batch of Gulf oil, uh, found a ridge line buried, deep buried, and they traced it into a whole circle. And then they dated that zone and they found out that it dates from 65 million years ago. And, and, and so there it is. It was the complete, it was not only the smoking gun, it was not only the smoke, it was the gun. <laughs> it was all there, all in one thing. And that, from that on, he said, yep, the asteroid took out the dinosaur. Wow. But if you remember the Disney uh, movie Fantasia, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's all classical music and all animated and there's no dialogue and different bits of classical music put to different animated stories. And one of them was Stravinsky does um, The Rites of Spring. And to that music, they portrayed dinosaurs thriving and then going extinct. And, See, that's what they, I'm talking about. So much dark stuff. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't know about the asteroid back then. So they just had like the temperature changed, you know, and it got hot for them and they couldn't survive it. But Kimmy, dinosaurs were around for hundreds of millions of years. Surely the temperature would have changed <laughs> at least a few times in that period, right? I'm sure it did, but it, it's, it's sort of like the extinction event today. I'm sure it's the rate at which it happens. Um Okay. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, That's what I was just thinking. Yes. And and going back to which which clades go extinct and which don't, I think, and this is also something we're still under, like working on and understanding. I say we as if like paleontologists as a whole, not me personally, but uh, is is uh, the physiology of dinosaurs. So I'm sure that being warm-blooded or cold-blooded is also going to affect how you survive in an ever-changing environment. And there's great research that's recently come out on a new method to to identify 
whether dinosaurs were warm-blooded or, or cold-blooded, for example. So that's, I mean, these are all questions that we're also still, still working on. And what's funny is no one ever said he was a warm-blooded killer. No, no, <laughs> right? Never <laughs> it's going to change the story. <laughs> change the tale. So, Marsha, give me another one. Okay. Another question. I like this one. It says, hi, everyone. I'm Lucas from New Westminster, British Columbia. I have a geeky question for Dr. Chappelle. Um, I, I'm going to mispronounce this word. If Massaspondylus, does that make, does that word make sense to you? Massaspondylus. Massaspondylus. Yes, it does. Massaspondylus. We're still around today. Do you think we could train them to be rideable, <laughs> or would oh, you be able? Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> would it. Would you be able to raise and grow them into an animal like a working horse? That's that's wow. an incredible question. Um, so, Master Spondylus is, uh, is my baby. So, that is what I did my uh, honors, master's, and PhD uh, degrees on. Um, it's the most common Whoa. Southern African dinosaur that we have. And it's a, one of the very early uh, members of that sauropodomorph group that we were talking about. Um, it's much smaller. It's about half a ton for people who don't know. And it walks on two legs. Um, when it comes to training them, I would personally love to think that, yes, I would say that if you're going to train a dinosaur, I would probably go for one that is not ginormous, um, such as Diplodocus, because that seems really impractical. Um, and then also probably <laughs> go for one that eats plants, because that sounds like a great, you know, idea. You don't want it to eat you. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's just practical. That's practical. Advice. You can take some of the risk out of it that yes. way. Yeah, Wait, so that how do you sense. ride something that walks on two legs? Well, that's, that's, I guess that's one that, I mean, they ride ostriches, right? That's doable. Uh, well, they do. do they? They? Who's they? I mean, it's they. Marsha, it's they. <laughs> Them, it's people, obvious. people who raise who's, ostriches. Who's they that are riding ostriches. <laughs> it's a thing. They have I've ostrich seen, I've seen it. No, I think I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen it. Plus, in Star Wars, there's that cre creature on the on the. Yes, snow that's what I was thinking they're, too. They're two legged, right? With two with front little sort of T Rex front legs. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's you can ride an animal that's two legged. You just are gonna look kind of silly. <laughs> it just doesn't look right in the human brain of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks like a piggyback ride. Oh, I know. So, but but Kimberly, the uh, Kimmy, the the uh, half a ton is about the weight of a horse, right? We ride yeah. horses, and we don't fear the relative size difference. Yeah, maybe we should, but we don't. Yeah, I fear so, horses. So, do you think we we could ride them? You didn't you didn't give an answer to this yet. I think you're dodging the answer. <laughs> yes or no? I'm gonna pull my PhD on the line and say yes. <laughs> I oh, think it would be doable. <laughs> Research comes out tomorrow that it's not rideable. Right, exactly. <laughs> Wait, no, no, I think the real question is: Have any reptiles been domesticated? Oh, that's an excellent question. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, not big ones. Yeah, because I feel like the smaller ones they just keep in. Cages and stuff. Yeah, you just keep not feeding really them. Trained. Right. They're, they're not trained to do anything, right? Even right, snakes. Right. People keep snakes as pets, but they're not like trained to behave. If we have no experience successfully domesticating a reptile, then to get a reptile that's a thousand pounds and believe that we could ride it, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a pipe dream right there. I think you could ride a big snake. I feel like you could ride a reptile. <laughs> Even if they're not like mentally, you know, like you don't have the bond like a cat or a you dog. You could put a saddle like. on a snake. And ride it. Okay. I think you could. I think okay. someone has. <laughs> I feel like riding an alligator or a crocodile seems really inconvenient, doesn't it? I don't know how you would do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Someone in Florida's done it. Probably. Not. I 100% sure. believe. Somebody in Florida has done everything, right? Okay. Definitely. <laughs> or That's everyone awesome. in Florida has done something, right? But there it is. Inverse of that. So uh, give me another quick question here. All right. Let's get another quick one in. Okay. So this is the first one we got. It says, hello, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Chappelle. This is Devin from Indiana. I was wondering how accurate the Jurassic Park movies are. Can you extract DNA from fossilized mosquitoes that drank dinosaur blood? Ooh. And other science facts, I think, that that movie Okay, I, I know one fact. I'm going to lead off with this. You ready? Because I spoke to one of my paleontology colleagues at the museum. So do you remember where they got the, the mosquito blood? It was like in a cave in amber in South America, and they chopper it in. And what I learned is one of the greatest largest repositories of bugs in amber, including mosquitoes, is just in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole beginning of that movie would have been different as they're stuck in traffic crossing the George Washington just Bridge. getting into to Jersey. To New Jersey. On a jet ski on the, the Hudson. Like, <laughs> on the yeah. Hudson. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back straight back to Kimmy, who's going to tell us, who's going to evaluate the authenticity of the Jurassic Park franchise when Star Talk has McQuarrie's Dinosaurs Edition returns. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. 
Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Uh, we're back. Star Talk Cosmic Query is dinosaurs. Uh, Kimmy, how do we find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Kimmy, K-I-M-I, dash chap, C-H-A-P. You can find me there. Dash, uh, yes, uh, underline or, or straight dash? Uh, it's underline, underline. Sorry. I'm, I'm actually quite new right, to right, Twitter. So Kimmy, underline, <laughs> chap. Yes. Chap. That's right. Okay. So uh, uh, the question we dangled with, uh, who is it from again, um, Marsha? This question is from Devin from Indiana. Devin from Indiana. So another one, when the first Jurassic Park movie was released, many of them collaborated with our paleontologists at the museum just back in the 1990s. And I was a brand new in the employ of the museum. And I was just intrigued to see all this dinosaur stuff happening. And they wanted to make sure that they positioned T-Rex properly um, to show how it would run, the way birds would run. And how, so there's a lot of this talk about, you know, and will the tail drag or does the tail not drag? And I remember mm. those questions being asked and solved at the time to improve the authenticity of the dinosaurs that were in the films and in the entire franchise. But that's the last I knew of it. And so, Kimmy, you've been in the full middle of that. Uh, what can you tell us? about what we see versus, you know, fiction versus reality. Right. So, I mean, so I went to see the new Jurassic World movie uh, not that long ago. Um, and actually, the scientific advisor on that one is also an ex-AM&H, which is Steve Busani. So he was one of Martin Rell's students. Um, nice. AM&H, the American Museum of Natural History. Yeah. Very good. Uh, right. We got it. Got people. So, Marsha, we're going to take over. We're putting our people installing. <laughs> yeah. Right? The people are out there working in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 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 Kimmy says, well, she's leaving to go to South Africa. She's an operative. That exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm representing. Telling all the secrets. Yeah. Um, and there is definitely... So they did have an advisor, so that's they, good. Yeah, they, that's they good. did. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's also the balance between making it scientifically accurate, but also making it entertaining. And as someone who grew up in a country where you can go on game drives or safaris, I think if they had made the dinosaurs as, you know, ecologically accurate as, as they would have been. It would not be the most entertaining movies because, you know, carnivores don't run around running after each other and eating everything that's in their sight and like roaring every two minutes. That's just not how it works. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but they hunt it stealthily. It's really cool yeah. to see them do that. <laughs> and Roaring every two minutes. There is this, they wouldn't be very good predators. No, they'd so. be terrible. Uh, they're like, no stealth involved at all. It's just yeah. like, point. hi. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also be like, T-Rex, you're already so big. Like, right. down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas my group of dinosaurs, the sort of motomorphs, one are basically never hardly featured. And they're just like these lumbering things that like walk around in the background, not really doing anything. So... It's definitely so they're not dangerous, and so they they can't eat you. This is, but you know, there's so much cool things about them. You know, they could like I don't know, stampede people or do something cool. Mm -hmm. um, so wait, did, was that a sentence that just came out of your mouth? Yeah. There's such cool <laughs> things about them. They can they stampede people. people. Don't this, underestimate this, them Marcia, as the villains. Did I just hear this sentence out of? I'm thinking she's trying to get her people in the film. Exactly. Her uh, her if I was to these make them people. Jurassic World entertaining, then that would be my take. Like, let's you know get them to stop. Like they on could things. stampede. Yeah, it's, it's, you know. 
That's okay. like you get a bunch of herbivores stampeding one of the scientists for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like a giant herd of like dreadnoughts, like you know, dashing across. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Wow. It can okay. be Hollywood exciting. Exactly. So at at our museum, we have a, a Velociraptor fossil like there on display, and the Velociraptor that was like the terrorizing one in the in the first yes. Jurassic Park. And if you look at it, you say, "Huh? <laughs> it's like the size of a large dog." Yes. Yeah. yeah it's not very big. And if that ran after me, I would just kick it. <laughs> it's just like get out of here. Like- <laughs> I'm, busy, I'm busy eating my sandwich, right? And so. They clearly pumped that one up for the movie. So if you can draw uh, kick, so it's that, not a dinosaur. Is that what you're saying? Like, it's like, not yeah. a scary dinosaur. <laughs> and, and I think uh, I was told, uh, who's I speaking with about this, that they, what boosted the terror factor is that they made it the same eye level as you. Yeah. So it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This, this is, it's with like- the an, teeth looking right at you. Right at nuts, way high up where you can just- but, Digging a hole, so this can chase you all the places you can go because it's the same size as right. You. And there it was running through the doorways and all the rest of this. So right, I mean, it yeah. also it has better access to your face, which is which seems to be <laughs> one of the main factors in Jurassic World. I love that sentence. Um, better access to your better face. Access. We know that the Velociraptor is the T-Rex. They obviously had really good agents at the time and made sure that they got in the film. Right, right. So if the herbivores had had better PR, they could have maybe, you know, gotten in there with a stampede, but it's been three movies. Where are they? I agree. I know, right? Right, right. (laughs) So what's the biggest Velociraptor that's out there? Do we just have a... A, a stunted one on display? So, I mean, Velociraptor is the genus and they are quite small. So actually the type specimen is at the, the M&H. So the type specimen being the first one described. The skull is only about that big. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a phrase, type specimen. Yes. So it is the it is the one that defined the, the, the genus. species yeah. or the genre. The, or the, genus or the, and species in this case. Um Wow. Um, but cool. they, they are not, not big animals. You do get raptors that, that get bigger, um, such as Utah raptor, for example. That is a bigger one. In Utah, okay. Uh-huh. What's the one that flies? The famous one, the one that's like really big and scary and flies. No, no, the one in Utah is a Mormon. It's the different. <laughs> they, they, oh. they grow bigger <laughs> there because they don't, there's no caffeine, <laughs> no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Totally healthy raptors. <laughs> the big one that flies, the pterosaurs? <laughs> They're like, Maybe that. So those, How big is the, that one? Like, are those just, yes. Like, were there were there huge flying dinosaurs, or were they all like bird size? So yeah. So there's many lineages within reptiles. So dinosaurs are part of the lineage that includes birds and crocodiles, which is called archosaurs. Um, but then you also get uh, marine reptiles, like we spoke about, and then you get flying reptiles, which are the pterosaurs. So they are part of reptilia as a whole, but they are not dinosaurs. They're different. The pterosaurs. That's a PT. PT. A yes. PT. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. T- t- we don't have flying reptiles anymore, yeah. do we? That, and that's a good thing. I would. Yeah. Think. I like. I'm glad yes. we don't. Yeah, keep them on the ground. So I mean, I mean, that's- you know, one of the one of the adversaries to Godzilla, who ostensibly is a T Rex, was Mothra. No, Mothra. Um, uh, 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 Rodan. Ooh, Rodan was a flying dinosaur that could fly supersonic. I, that was the baddest ass. Dinosaur. So that's a good sentence. <laughs> I like that one. Um, so I mean, the pterosaurs are also terrifying because they get really big. So like Quetzalcoatl, um, if it's sitting on land, is the same height as a giraffe. 
um, which is just, it's just awful. <laughs> like, it sounds Whoa. terrifying. What? Yeah. They're really, Whoa. really big. And they, so it'll just chase after they attack you from the sky. Yeah, that's yes. just, that's See, just I don't like there. that. And how do they, yeah. how does that even, I mean, I guess airplanes are a thing. I was like, it's so big, how does it even fly? Yeah. Well, again, another, you know, <laughs> yeah. point to make. Did you really ask that? <laughs> like, now I'm like, no, I know, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it is a good question. Let's keep going. Let's, let's try to get in a few more questions. We've got like okay, just great. a couple of minutes left. So, Kimmy, we're going to go into soundbite mode. So, we'll test your evening news soundbite talents with this next set of questions. Go. Okay, so this is a question I think we're all curious about. This comes from Hope. She says, Hi, Dr. Chappelle. What was it that made the community start to believe that many dinosaurs had feathers? Great question. Soundbite, please. All right, great question. So it's all about uh, how the fossils are preserved. So um, some fossils that are, are, are preserved in the right kind of rock will actually preserve the, the feathers on them. Um, and that's that's how you start understanding. And then after that, you can sort of fill in the gaps on the tree of dinosaurs as to which ones would have had feathers and which ones wouldn't have had feathers. Cool. Nice soundbite. Okay. Cool. Next one, Marcia. Okay, next Wait, wait, just to be clear, feathers don't normally fossilize because they're so fragile, correct? So you need special fossilizing conditions for it. Yeah, so it, I mean, it is, it is special. I mean, ideal conditions, essentially. Um, ideal, that's yes. the term. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. I don't okay. like imagining them with feathers, but that's just me. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> that's my hard opinion. Okay. This is from Sherry, who calls herself Sherisaurus from San Diego. Love it. Says, love, it. love Sherisaurus. Says, hi, Dr. Chappelle and Dr. Tyson. Are there any parts of my body that I can point to and say, look, this evolved from a dinosaur? Ooh, any holdovers. I love it. Not from a dinosaur directly, but probably from a, an ancestor from a dinosaur. I mean, you can go back all the way to fish, essentially, and uh, some of your body parts will have evolved from from that. Like a vertebrate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Limbs. I was going to say my back, I think, sometimes feels yeah, very... Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but no, uh, not from a dinosaur directly. So, so you're saying nothing? But you have to go to it earlier in the tree of life to find a common ancestor. Yes, because I mean, we could start we're on completely different branches of the tree of life, right? So nothing that we will have will have evolved from a dinosaur. Because that entails that we would have. Got it. But before each of our branches, there were animals with heads, four limbs, exactly. and a vertebrae, and two eyes, and nose, and a mouth. Exactly. Which we do share with dinosaurs. Right. So that is the common okay. ancestor. Got it. Okay. One question that's been bugging me. Maybe I'll save it for the end. I'll save it for the end. Okay. Marsha, go. Okay, uh, this is Elaine in the stars. They said, greeting from Montreal. Was the T-Rex able to run as fast as portrayed in Jurassic Park, chasing Jeeps and all of that? <laughs> Questions are fire. Soundbite, remember, all soundbite. Right. Uh, no, uh, so T-Rex, there's a great paper, well, there's a great research that showed that they're actually quite slow animals. A lot of dinosaurs would have actually been very, very slow, uh, mainly because of, of body size. Um, and they did some work where they scaled up a chicken, essentially, and the musculature that goes with the chicken and found that it would have been very, uh, not as fast as a Jurassic Park. Wow. So a T-Rex is about as fast as a chicken? <laughs> no, a scaled up is really chicken. What, is that really what she said? A scaled up chicken. <laughs> well, you have to look at, oh, okay. in order to be able to understand how these dinosaurs moved, you have to look at animals that we know today, essentially. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. And you... And you because it, the physiology has enough similarities exactly. that you can get some insights. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay. I keep going, Marsha. You're doing okay, great, so Kimmy. <laughs> Good soundbite. I love it. These okay. are great. Hello, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Chappelle. Greetings from Ontario. 
if the meteor hadn't struck, do you think dinosaurs would still be around and perhaps dominate the planet? Homo sapiens would probably still live as grifters in the forest and eat insects? <laughs> I vote yes. I mean, that's, 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 that, that sounds great. Um, I feel like that's <laughs> a great uh, alternate ending to the story. But um, I mean, okay, one, quickly, uh, not all dinosaurs went extinct, so birds are still around. I, I will say that. So, um, so they are still around today. So technically that answers that part of the question. But you know, that's the one that we just can't answer, really, because we don't know what other events would have happened. Uh, I guess lots of things can happen um, in the world today. Can I tell you why I vote yes? Yes, go for it. <laughs> I, I vote yes rather than I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Here's my yes. You ready? Yes. Ask yourself how many years have elapsed since the dinosaurs, as we know them, as portrayed in Jurassic Park, how many years have elapsed since they went extinct? What's the number? 65 million years. Good. So now we ask, how long were dinosaurs on Earth before then? Right. So they appeared uh, hundreds, 160 million hundreds years. Hundreds of millions of years. Yeah. So they appeared okay. 235 million years ago. Okay. So they were around long before. They were around for, for longer than the time that they had been extinct. Yes. And so when I just compare those two time frames, I say there is no reason to think that, they that just in the next 65 million years, they go extinct. They've been around for 300 million years. I guess that's my... That's, I think that's, that's a great Neil's afraid they're going to come back and wants to make sure they know that he's on their side. <laughs> <laughs> he wants the stampeding well, sword was, on his side. That's what he wants. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, the, the Godzilla came back. You know, I'll just say, all hey, these yo, birds are going to say thank you. I was all for it with you here. So that's why... I look at just compare. It's a pure time scale argument. It has nothing to do with. And I, I think that is a great answer, and I do think that they would still be around. But I think that the diversity would have changed because um, that does happen in the hundred and sixty million years that they're around. I think. Yeah, they, sure. Yeah, we'd be a different ensemble, yeah. but as a group, yes. they were very successful. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. they would have survived until they met American hunters, <laughs> and then they would have until 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 humans came along, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. 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 We would still be. A, T-Rex or whoever would still be dining <laughs> on our mental ancestors yeah. <laughs> as hors d'oeuvres. And, and like you said, Kimmy, we'd be eating insects in the forest yeah, yeah. trying to escape. We'd be humble, at least. We'd be humble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so I'm going to, we got to uh, bring this to a close. I'm going to ask my final question, if I may. Okay. Okay. This is a blunt question. Just stay with me on it. You ready? Kimmy, what the hell are the front limbs of T-Rex for? <laughs> That's the next one. Why do they exist? <laughs> I'm told they, the two hands couldn't even reach each other. So couldn't even use them to hold anything. No. They're just this thing. Well, that's, I guess, so what, again, a lot of research goes into this question. Um, and still at conferences today, it's an it's a, it's a ongoing debate as to one, uh, why does so, it so, happen? So it's unsettled. Yeah, why does it's it happen? Unsettled. But also, how does it happen? Because it's not just T-Rex. Well, just to be clear, Marsha, when she says a lot of research is going into this, that's, co that's science code for we still have no idea what the hell is going on. That's, we don't know. That's why there's still research in it, right? The public will think, all oh, this research, so we must know. No. No. That is the evidence we don't know. Continue, Kim. Well, I think, I mean, it's also sort of, yes, their arms shorten, but other things happen, right? They have much stronger legs. They have much stronger jaws. So whether it's sort of a, a trade-off between the two, um, they well, may right, have found a way. The, that if, the they, two hands, if the two hands can't even touch each other, that... Didn't I, wasn't there a spell there for a while where people, your people thought maybe T-Rex is not a predator. Maybe it's a 
what do you call the other one? Scavenger. A scavenger. Yeah. I think, mm. Because it can't grab anything that it catches. You can't just bite at something as you chase it. Have you you got to sometimes grab well, it. Well, you clearly have not seen Jurassic World because that's exactly what it does. It just runs around <laughs> just like... <laughs> like and it bites people. Things. Yes, true. Yes. True. Yes. Um, it does seem like it's mainly using its skull for, for that kind of you know stuff. It's definitely not using its arms. Okay, it's and, and one last thing about it. Okay. So you're saying the, the, the arms, everything, there's a lot of comp- compensatory physiology right. to the, the wimp arms that it has. <laughs> okay. And is it true that the dinosaur brains were no bigger than the size of a walnut, even though they had huge heads? Mm. Yes, they are proportionally very small brains. That is true. They have, yes. Really? Yes. I mean, a walnut will depend on which dinosaur you're talking about. But for example, a sauropod... Uh, like the Chronicles, the skull is about that big. The brain is probably only about like that big, so they're not. When you say oh. that big, you know, several feet across, and the brain is the size of an orange. Yeah, essentially. My gosh. Essentially. It's like and the you- Amazon packaging where you get like a big <laughs> box and there's a little tiny, <laughs> little tiny chapstick inside. It's all the packaging You don't want to damage material. the chapstick. Yeah. yeah the, the chapstick. That's what a dinosaur brain is like. <laughs> wait, wait. So, but what is else is occupying the volume of the skull? In, in what? In all of them? They have a lot of sinus cavities. Well, if the brain is little and they're... They have a lot of sinus cavities, a lot of jaw musculature. Well, I mean, it also, again, depends on which one you're looking at. Um, a lot of okay. teeth. Uh, a lot of... Okay, so they weren't doing calculus or anything like that. Oh, no. no they're just biting. No, they're just walking around, biting, eating, reproducing, <laughs> sleeping. Sort of, biting, or, or as your dinosaurs will do, they chew lettuce. Exactly, you know, yes. yes. As they turn their head left <laughs> and right for the camera. <laughs> It's so and stampede, and, and stampede, stampede yes. potentially. And rip your face off. <laughs> if you're okay. yeah. All right, we got to end it there, guys. It's been highly illuminating. Uh, Kimmy, this has been wonderful. It's been awesome. And, you know, every dinosaur movie that comes out, we have to call you. <laughs> that sounds great. I like that deal. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> Can I prearrange for that? Okay. Anytime. Very excellent. <laughs> there. And Marsha, uh, your social media? My social media is all at Marsha Belsky, and then my Instagram is at Marsha Sky. Marsha Sky. Any reference to the universe is good by me. All right. <laughs> not, not good by me. Good. Any reference to the universe is okay in my book. <laughs> okay, guys. Great to have you both on Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the Dinosaur Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson here. Keep looking up. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.